flowers of light crackle and pop silently in the distance. Because this is space, and sound cannot travel in a vacuum. Welcome to Offworlders. To quote the Coral Rulebook, Offworlders is a sci-fi TTRPG that's about adventurers, outlaws, and guns for hire making their fortune on the rough edge of the galaxy. The player characters are the owners of a small starship in a time when humans have spread to many worlds. Together, they explore the universe, completing profitable jobs and overcoming dangers. Here, on the bridge of your ship, you're looking at what's obviously a battle, but you can't tell what kind yet. At this point in history, it could be anyone out there losing ships, fighting over the last precious resources left in this abandoned zone. Your ship floats through a lifeless field of debris, what's left over after a battlefront has moved on. People like you call it a sea of sorrow. So, you are on the bridge of your ship. What is it called, and what are you doing? On the bridge of the ship, you see countless small screens with readouts, uh, instruments, dials, graphs, charts. Some of it is reading out on these, like, uh, LCD-type screens. Some of it is holograms. Some of it is floating in the middle of the bridge. You don't see, there's, there's but a small slit uh, in the front of the, this ship that shows you the sea of sorrow out in front of us. Everything else is just these clusters of hundreds, thousands of screens. And across a bunch of them, you see tiny eyeballs just bouncing, moving, cartoon-like, as if they are looking at the readouts. And you hear a pleasant little ding reverberate throughout the body of the ship, and a voice come through the speakers uh, that are set into all of the walls and probably some of the floors. And the voice goes, Hey, guys, uh, before we go further and start doing our job, we, we gotta agree on a name for the ship. The last thing I have in here is... Mobile suit Gundam? I, I don't even I don't even know what that is. Is it do we still do we still want to name the ship that? And then there's another ding that signifies the end of the message. Uh, and that is the animated eyeballs and the voice of Mavis, uh, the ship's artificial intelligence and its de facto pilot. You hear a grunt from across the uh, the bridge. Conifer Pine has his boots up. On the, on the countertop of the bridge, and he's polishing a laser nanbu, like a laser gun. He's like, well, if you don't like my name, you could just say it. It's, it's not that I don't like it. What is a mobile suit Gundam? You have to ask. Ugh. Well, what would you have it named then? I told you all what would be a beautiful name. This is coming from a animated woman and her maybe early 60s, dressed in a colorful sweater, joggers, fanny pack. (laughs) This is Debbie. (laughs) She is sitting on a folding chair playing what appears to be a video poker video game. (laughs) No one knows where she got this from. (laughs) It's got to be old. 
I told you what would be a beautiful name. We should name it after my first son, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry is a beautiful name. We can name the ship Jerry Jr. No one wants to name the ship Jerry Jr. Beautiful name. The eyeballs dart around to a screen that's by... Debbie, and then a screen that's over by Conifer, and you hear a ding and then a typing noise, and then the voice goes, Jerry, Jerry Jr. See, I know what Jerry Jr. means. And then a big hologram pops up in the center of the bridge that just says in floating, beautiful 3D letters, ship name, Jerry Jr. Accepted. Great. There are three of you on board. Your work has brought you here to just outside the abandoned system Janus 91. It has an odd shape. A ring of planets surrounds the star system's yellow nucleus. That nucleus is always visible on your instruments. The three of you are what's colloquially known as adjusters. You work for an insurance subsidiary of the hypercorporation that owns and influences about half of this galaxy. Their name is Kintsugi. Their major competitor, which owns and influences the other half, is called Upchillo. The two corps have partnerships with the various world governments of Janus 91. Those governments have all moved their capitals off-system to their colonies. These regimes, like the corporations, are always expanding outwards. But that doesn't matter to you too much, not right now. Kintsugi supplies the gear, you supply the labor, and the credits are wire-transferred in the meantime. Adjusters are algorithmically assigned to active war zones. If there is a client participating. They tend to arrive right as a battle is won or lost, just in time to meet with any potential claimants. So, uh, you three are a relatively new team. You've got one mission under your belt. So, tell me what happened, how'd it go, what went wrong, who did what. Uh, Conifer looks at paperwork. Uh, he, he's always looking for, you know, asking the people uh, when they make a claim. He's like, uh, do you have any proof? <laughs> And he asks for the paperwork and then makes a list of people that they have to interview uh, to proceed. Debbie, what was what was Debbie doing during this mission? Well, Debbie likes to find out exactly what happened. You know, some of the details that weren't written into the claim, if you know what I mean. (laughs) He asked the questions like what kind of mental state were you in? Who's cheating on who? Uh Kind of things like that, because that does have If I write that into the report, normally we can uh, make a little bit more profit for our company. Uh, What they do with that detail, I don't know. Yep. And uh, so, Mavis, uh, tell me where where you were. What was the uh, the battle like? Who was fighting? What was what was that about? Yeah. So, see, this is the problem. The job was to go to a former war zone and to scrap and recover as many of the crashed uh, ships on this massive asteroid that we possibly could. There was no one else there. We were the only people. It was barren. Uh, There was not another being, another off-worlder for eons. Yet Conifer spent the whole time sitting in a chair, flipping through paper, and Debbie spent the whole time talking to herself and flipping through whatever she was flipping through on that little device that she's always holding, muttering to herself about gossip, while Mavis, uh, who is a, a pilot AI, just basically jumped between literally thousands of different vehicles, spaceships, drones, trying to figure out if they were in any way salvageable. And it turned out 
I mean, the good news was a lot of them were, but the bad news was Mavis had to do all of it. It's, it's a group project and you're all failing. <laughs> yep. Deb, yep. Debbie's yep. just walking yep. around like, oh, that guy was mad. You could tell. <laughs> so this latest mission is a standard adjuster job. Hover near the scene and move in when everything is quiet and put up your metaphorical shingle, you know? The battle doesn't show any of the usual signs of stopping. The flashes of pulse cannons and railguns aren't slowing down at all. The computer that assigned you here may have fucked up. So before getting into this line of work, most adjusters are catfish. Get it? Scavengers that follow battles, finishing off whoever's left, and living from the spoils. Being an adjuster requires the same set of skills. But it's a profession that draws all kinds of people in because it pays well, and it's not quite as dangerous as the other jobs you could be doing for the same amount of money. So I said abandoned zone earlier. Like, uh, in this game universe, solar systems are abandoned after they're drained of resources. Uh, and the designation of abandoned is a political thing. Uh, so, you know, uh, and as soon as an area is designated abandoned, the laws regulating commerce, trade, and resource rights no longer apply. Hence, all of the ship battles. So basically, because when something's designated abandoned, all of these people flood in to get whatever's left. And so you have all these corporations, governments, scavengers, militias trying to get stuff for whatever they're doing, flooding in. And you guys are just kind of the cleanup crew. You're, you're adjusters. You're there to like pay out whatever's insured or figure out whether you should pay out whatever's insured, to be very clear. So it's kind of like the frontier, kind of cowboys, a little bit. I think that's about all you need to know for now. Um, but yeah, so you're on the bridge, immediately outside your ship, you can see the drifting, silent masses of a few dead battleships. Uh, one ship, however, is strangely out of place. It's an Upchillo cargo ship. You're in the Kintsugi area. Uh, it's close enough to spacewalk to. Um, also, a note, your ship is running quiet, which means you're not on radar. You're just kind of hovering there. You don't know if there's any scavs or pirates or anything nearby. But you don't see anything in your immediate vicinity. Um, except for, like, the remains of escape capsules, stray helmets, shredded chunks of metal, just all kinds of shit that's left over after a bunch of stuff blows up in space. There's a battle going on. you got to wait for it to end before you can do your jobs. What do you do? Conifer uh, lifts his hat. He's wearing a cowboy hat. It was over <laughs> his eyes earlier. He, he kind of, like, uh, nods over at the Upshillo ship. What's that doing there? Well, now that we have an official name and can go about doing our business, we can go find out. You can't really tell whether or not this is sarcastic because, you know, Mavis is an AI and it's unclear whether or not they have, like, real personality. But, uh, you know, it is. I understand that you get frustrated that we want to keep changing the name of the ship. You know there's an added benefit of changing the names. It's avoiding us being traced. That is a good point. And I have a couple of people that I would love to not know where I am. <laughs> am I right? I bet you too, Mavis, right? Everybody knows where I am. I am connected to the universal network at all times. Well, while we wait, should we go check her out? You don't even hear a confirmation noise. You just feel the ship start to lurch, uh, and you feel the thrusters turn on, and it starts to turn and uh, move slowly towards the Obchillo cargo ship. Right. I think the other thing you need to know is that there's a planet nearby. It's unnamed, or rather, you don't know its name. It doesn't appear to be marked on the map of just formerly claimed territory. It's just kind of there. Um, it's far enough away that it would take forever to get there. But yeah, it's just sort of 
hovering in the background. Mm. But you have an assignment to do, and Kintsugi does not like it when you miss your assignments. Um, so do we you, know how we came across our ship, or no? That's up to you to decide. I think maybe I, in a way, am the ship, and we got mm. paired together. So mm. the ship is like, you know, uh, Mavis can be anywhere in a way, uh, but I think that we maybe got teamed up um, and uh, the, the ship is just one of your teammates. Sick. Um, all right. So do you guys, what do you do? You spacewalk into the ship? You trying to go look at the battle? You trying to, I don't know, board one of the battleships? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm going to check out this ship that's nearby. All right. So you guys are leaving. You're yeah, taking off. Great. All right. Uh, so you need spacesuits. Luckily, your ship has spacesuits. You, you, that's just part. It's part of the game. It's actually in the rule book that you have suits. Right. Mm-hmm. Are we piloting or are we spacewalking? Like You're spacewalking. Yeah. So I think you know Mavis tries their best to adjust the position of the ship so that we are suitably aligned to make the pathway clear and mm-hmm. as close as possible, uh, and then waits for everybody to get ready uh, to like open the airlock and you know can can do all of all of that business at a moment's notice fantastic all right so you guys debbie and conifer fuck yeah uh you're at the airlock in your suits suited up yeah he's got a headband on under the helmet because he's got like luscious salt and pepper hair <laughs> he's always got one eyebrow cocked too he's like you ready to do this deb oh these Face pants are a little tighter than I remember them. But yeah. Let's go see what's going on over there. And as you're getting ready to, you know, do the final checks and zips and stuff on your space pants, you hear a, a loud and sort of dull reverberant thud behind you. And you turn around and you see, I think all of you would be familiar with what you are seeing. It is a roughly humanoid robot. Uh, that is about the size of like a medium-sized human, except it's got three legs, um, and at the bottom of the legs are these treads. The torso is this bundle of always moving kind of sparking wire, and it has uh, pretty like um, stereotypically like robotic arms. You know, it's got pistons and solenoids and stuff, and then a a red uh, flat reflective face very similar to the readouts in the hull of the ship in that it's got all of these instrument readouts on it and charts and graphs telling you about its core temperature and operating capacity and all this other stuff. And uh, this is one of the ways that Mavis is able to walk around and be, in the phrasing of the game, embodied, is that they put themselves into... It's called a beacon robot. Um, so this is Mavis's beacon. Wow. Yeah. I was waiting. You know, I was waiting for that. I knew Had it was to. coming. Had to. <laughs> we got Mavis Beacon. We got I Conifer knew it. Pine. Oh and we God. got Debbie. I fucking knew it. Uh. <laughs> okay, so I do uh, I do want you guys to, to roll. So let's do like, um, what if we did just an agility roll? Hell yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so Offworlders is a rules-like game, which means we have, I have a lot of latitude to decide sort of what happens and how things go. Um, but it is based on rolls. So you want to roll the dice when a player does something dangerous, uncertain, or contested. And so you f- use the dice to figure out how it goes. This roll, to be very transparent to everybody on the call and also in the audience, uh, this is just to like get us get us rolling, get us into the game. For every roll, you roll 2d6s together and add the relevant attribute. So like you have attributes, skills, and abilities. 
attributes are like your inherent traits. So like your agility, uh, your it's strength, agility, intelligence, and willpower. Your abilities are like the things you can do, like the cool stuff. Um, and then you have skills, which uh, allow you to reroll one of those two dice. But the thing with the skill is if you decide to use your skill and roll the second die, you have to take the result no matter what it is. So it's like kind of half advantage in D&D terms. On a six or less, you miss. However, in this system, you also get one XP on every failure. So it's not so bad. Um, <laughs> although I will make their lives more difficult if they fail rolls. Um, that's for you, audience. <laughs> Um, on a seven to nine, that's a mixed success. It's a complication. So you get what you want, but uh, something happens. And on a 10 or higher, you get a success. It's just whatever you want happens. It's great. Uh, and if you get two sixes, it's a critical success. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You get whatever you want, and I will give you a bonus. So you're at the airlock. Push off into space. How do you do? Kind of forgot an eight. Uh, Debbie, how'd you do? Oh, Debbie rolled up a seven. Oh, two mixed successes. <laughs> yeah. And Mavis. So speaking of using skills to, uh-huh. to re-roll dice, um, in a way, is not everything uh, Mavis does when embodied piloting, in a sense? True, true. <laughs> Up to Vision's discretion. Are you are you trying to use you your can... pilot skill to do a spacewalk? I am trying to use my pilot skill to do a spacewalk because Mavis has rolled a six. <laughs> That's a failure. Yeah, that is a failure. <laughs> uh, you know, I really want to let you do this. <laughs> I really want you to let me do it, too. I don't think I will, though. Because I can see your character sheet. <laughs> uh, so no. So here's what happens. Conifer Pine pushes off. There's epic music behind him. He's he's done this so many times. He looks so fucking cool. Yeah. It's like he's walking on a moving escalator. Also, the, the helmet that is shaped to accommodate the cowboy hat is just perfect. <laughs> you can see the light glinting off of it. And uh, he's gliding gracefully. And then he hits the top of the airlock and bonks his head. And he's a little shocked and dizzy. And he lands ungracefully. And the complication here is he looked way less cool right at the end there. (laughs) Oh, that's hard. That's That's tough. That's tough. tough. That's tough. The consequences will get get worse very soon. (laughs) (laughs) Let it be known. Bijan is a total party uncool DM. Yeah, for now. (laughs) Enjoy this. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Debbie steps out. Debbie, you know, swan dives into the void. She's done this before. You wouldn't know it, but she's done it. Uh, mm-hmm. And she she makes it. Uh, except she catches the sleeve of her suit on a, with a jagged edge that was blown into the hole. And it does, and it rips a little bit. The, the suit rips. And this would be terrible if it wasn't double-lined, you know? Ugh. So she's got she's to fix this later. She's got to get out of the needle and thread and Ugh. really do something about that. For style and also comfort. Um, Mavis, on the other hand, the collection of robot parts just leaps into the void and fucking whiffs it. Just beefs the fucking jump. Bangs into the side of the ship and spins out into the void. Like, (laughs) she's gone. Can we hear her? Like, are we uh, attached in any way? Like, audio Yeah, you have comms, yeah. Yeah. You hear uh, the voice of Mavis from the ship beamed into whatever your comms are. And they go, ah, oh, sugar. 
Conifer, you got any rope or anything? Uh, she spin. Mavis is. They're spinning out. They're like way too far <laughs> for rope. I, I, you you didn't know that this was out here, but Mavis hits a, an unexploded mine and just fucking blows up. <laughs> oh boy, that's gotta hurt. That guy seemed angry. <laughs> I can't. I can't be getting myself into these kinds of situations where I'm just burning through beacons left and right. And then you hear a kathunk, kathunk again. <laughs> and you see another beacon show up from your vantage point in the airlock, its red glowing face. And then you hear over the radio the voice of the beacon, which I think you didn't hear before, going, Don't worry, I'll do better this time. You know, we're going to have to file a claim for that one. Oh, yeah. So, Mike, would you tell us what Mavis just did? Uh, Mavis used their backup drive skill uh, <laughs> ability, or ability, ability, not skill. ability. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we have kind of planned for this in that the Jerry Jr., as it is now called, um, has uh, one of its designs is that it has a massive cargo bay. The problem mm. is that the massive cargo bay is full mostly of beacon robots. <laughs> ah, amazing. Uh, so the moment where we have to start loading things up, we're going to have a, a bit yeah. of a problem, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Well, it won't be a huge issue if you keep on <laughs> floating them out into the void. Hey, that's my lifeline you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to make you roll for this next one because that was that felt instructive. They got, I a, will, they I got will, a nine anyways. I will explode your characters. <laughs> okay. I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. Unafraid. Unafraid to kill us off. So you can tell that the ship is done for. As you approach, you can see holes in the hull. The bridge is fully exposed to vacuum. There is, however, a flickering light by the airlock, which means that the auxiliary electrical system still has power, which means whatever cargo they had aboard might still be good. You guys are adjusters, but also, you know, why not, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, Mike, give yourself one XP for failing that roll. <laughs> <laughs> Done. That's such an incredible mechanic. Yeah, it's good. So the interior of the ship is spare. It looks military issue. Although you can tell it's corporate just from the human touches around. Also, you know that Achilla's whole thing is that they're like quasi-military sort of thing. So they they refer to their people as like commander or whatever. But yeah, the quarters are more spacious than your standard military transport. So you have a whole ship to explore. What do you do? So we've come in through the airlock and we are currently, come in through the airlock. currently in the cargo hold. You are in the cargo hold. Absolutely. Uh, Conover wants to take a look around the cargo hold. Fantastic. You see all the stuff that was being transported like there are suitcases but there's also like military like parts to military weapons like parts to powered suits Abchillo is kind of like they started as a as, as a military contractor before they became like this sort of galaxy spanning behemoth so like think Raytheon but also you know everything else too Raytheon but also Amazon um so but this is like this you guys are in the ass end of nowhere Genesis 91 it's an abandoned system like it's there's nothing here uh, there's no reason the ship should be here but you see, you know, just scientific parts. You see just random shit. Mavis in their beacon robot tries to get a closer look at anything. Like, you know, if there's unopened boxes that look like it's one thing, they want to make sure that it's that thing. So they op they start opening up some boxes. Yeah. And so while Mavis is opening up boxes, Mavis sees something just on the ground, like just a light behind a bunch of, like a soft amber light just behind a bunch of other boxes. Um, Mavis will go towards it if it's far away, yeah. It's, it's not that far away. It's just be, it's like okay. shoved up against a wall kind of thing. So uh, if Mavis investigates the box, yeah. Mavis finds. You can tell it's a very high security lockbox. 
it's obvious that only the right people who have the right credentials can open it. Kintsugi branded, and it has this like sigil on it that looks kind of like a biohazard thing, but it's a long-term like nuclear semiotics. Think of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, standard cargo hold. Nothing's out of the ordinary, unlike everything else in the ship, because the rest of the ship looks pretty fucking bad. It took a pretty heavy burst of gunfire and then exploded. I wonder why the ship is uh, out here. I, I, why would it be out here? Doesn't make any sense. Conifer looks at the suitcase that you've got. Hey, why do they have one of ours? Mavis holds it up and goes, I don't know. Um, would Mavis recognize this as being something that is dangerous to like biological life forms? That I think is up to you. I don't know. I was going to say okay. no, but maybe, maybe. I mean, it depends okay. on how much time Mavis has spent around humans. Uh, Mavis's history is that they're a mining robot so, or like a personality module for uh, mining fleets. So I would think that their familiarity with potentially radioactive or radioactive-like things would probably be pretty good, uh, given that background. And just based upon the way that you described it, like, yeah, it sounded, it sounded like this is a p potentially dangerous material, but I guess the question is like, who is it dangerous to? Mm -hmm. um, or is it saying like, this is the provenance of dangerous people and not necessarily containing dangerous things? You don't know. Okay. Um, Mavis says, I can try to open it, but... Maybe you should stand back. All right. And Conifer steps back. You don't have to tell me twice. And Debbie actually jumps to the other side of the room. Because this is a skill that Debbie has. Uh, roll for it. <laughs> uh, okay. Can I use my uh, tech skill? Is this in any way technical or am I just rolling? You're just rolling because it's not. Okay. So the tech skill is, uh, it says computer software and complex engineering. And this is not that. This is just a high a security. A very well locked box. It's just, it's literally just a box with a lock on it, but the lock is very sophisticated. Okay. I got a 10. Yeah. Great. You break the lock. Uh, the beacon robot has uh, what's called a laser piston arm. So one of the hands folds into the arm and it becomes this thing that's basically just a, a bright, it's almost like a solenoid, but a, la a lightsaber. And uh, Mavis just laser pistons the lock right it Obliterates off. the lock. Yeah. The case, the lock breaks, the case springs open. And it's just like, you see, it's just like padded with foam and there's like, another smaller box that's like set in there <laughs> so it's not jostled or anything by like the outside stuff it's like it's this is like a this is a it's, it's quite a box mike it's a serious box it's a serious, box, a serious box, packaging you know you've, you've received an amazon package you know how they pack them it's like the same kind of thing except mm. it's all you know that hasn't changed in many years yeah but yeah it's like very clearly marked with like a key card it's like it's you, you boop it and you can open it but that also has like the same sigil, except all over the little box. Mm -hmm. uh, Mavis discards the aluminum box that was on the outside and holds up the thing that looks like it needs a key card to open it to Conifer, who I imagine is still slightly far away, and does a very sort of stilted and ineffective robot shrug. Yeah, but now you can tell it looks very dangerous. Okay, like it's it's it, it has not changed, but it is menacing. Okay. I wonder, can Debbie think about whether she's seen something like this before? Because Debbie does have a culture skill. Yeah, absolutely. Roll, uh, you, you can roll for it, yeah. I guess that's rolling intelligence. Oh, I forgot to count what the first dice was because I re-rolled it. 
basically, I got like a six or seven. <laughs> you don't know what it is. That rock looks weird. Ha, huh, never seen one of those before. Maybe we will find a purpose for this in the near future. I should also say it looks valuable. Like this is a well-made box. It's like not like a, this is not something you would have ever encountered in your travels. It's like, this is executive level. Like, oh shit, this is the Rolex of boxes. Maybe someone from the company lost this. I will hold on to it. Might be worth a couple credits. At least. And Conifer, you you don't have to roll for it, but I can tell you, it's definitely worth a couple credits. There you go. At least. (laughs) Mavis shoves it into the bundle of the like undulating wire that is their torso so that it's just like sort of in the middle of their robot body. Safe and sound. Don't know if that provides any shielding for everybody else from like, you know, getting cancer or whatever, but. (laughs) I guess you'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Debbie kind of shouts to the group. Uh, She's at the far edge closer to uh, the mess hall and she goes, I'm going to see what exactly they got in their cabinets. I am starving. Okay. And she walks towards the mess hall. Conifer follows. Fantastic. You know, we could always use more food. It's just a standard kitchen. I mean, if your kitchen has been shot up by laser pistol fire, it's like, you know, fucked up in here. There's a hole in the hole. Mm. But yeah, you know, you can search and look for stuff. But it's like it's typical Starship food. It's just, you know, preserved like soy bars and maybe one fruit. There's not much there. Yeah. Mavis looks through a window that's in a nearby door and sees what looks like the kinds of cases that normally carry laser rifles. Mm-hmm. And so they go through that door. The party split. This is exciting. Shannon and Jen, you guys are in the mess hall, the gallery mm-hmm. of that area. Mavis goes to the armory where all the ordinances. Mavis, you see a sea of weapons. They're all beautiful. Some of them are huge, but it's like enough enough guns to like outfit an entire barracks which you know this is a cargo ship it does have a barracks because the obchillo thing is like oh yeah we're kind of soldiers mavis goes on the comm to uh conifer and debbie and says as you know the governor in the beacon robot prevents me from picking up weapons but i thought you might like to know there is enough ordinance in the armory to arm an entire army whoa that's hmm. definitely worth something and it looks very new. Do you go over there? Like, what's your vibe? Yeah, Conifer wants to go check it out. He loves a, a, a beautiful gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing good in the mess hall, so Debbie follows as well. Yeah, uh, Conifer, you see the shiniest, most gleamingly pistoned laser rifle you've ever seen in your life. It, it would be like standard issue to a soldier, but you're, you're like sort of a mercenary, you're an insurance adjuster. You're like a person who would not get a new soldier tier weapon and this is this is an obchillo made gun you know for all the kintsugi promises obchillo is still better at weapons well i think i might take this one i would make your roll for it but i'm not going to you have it it's yours you get a medium weapon add that to your character sheet thank you kindly um so that just that does i think one extra like all the light weapons do 1d6 this one does 1d6 plus one which is exciting Mm -hmm. which means you get at least two damage no matter what Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of straps it around uh, his back, and he's just, like, smiling ear to ear more than you've ever seen him in the last couple weeks. Can you also tell me what Debbie and Conifer look like? We know what Mavis looks like. I just, I'm kind of envisioning Conifer as a short king. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I would say he is. He's, like, a, a smaller brown Tom Selleck. Like, <laughs> he's got salt and pepper hair. He's mid-50s. Always got one eyebrow cocked up. 
Um, you know, underneath the suit, he's wearing whatever f- the future version of Patagonia would be like. So, like, <laughs> adventure wear in slate blues and pumpkin and evergreen, if you can catch the vibe. Fantastic. And a cowboy hat. I love that the average age on the ship, on the Jerry Jr., is, like, pushing 50, man. This is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're experienced. Yeah, Debbie. Debbie's tall. She's, like, around 5'10". Kind of a commanding presence. Mm-hmm. And also, you see her and you think... That's nice. Like, she's got like a warm presence to her, yeah. like, kind of like she's a mom. So you kind of like, gosh, oh, this woman maybe is going to take care of me. You know, Perfect. that kind of deal. All three of them standing there looking at Conifer, look at the gun. Like, yeah, that, that's good. That looks great. I'm happy that you're happy. Mao, don't shoot it all in one place. <laughs> uh, he rolls his eyes and uh, kind of turns around and uh, walks out uh, back into the cargo hold. Uh, and across to the barracks. And he's sort of like tap-tapping on the doors, just in case anything is around or if something small or, I don't know, vermin that might have survived, who knows? No, the entire it's, ship is, it's a vacuum. There's, it's still space. <laughs> I mean, the things that could have survived are... Microorganisms, yeah, tardigrades. Tardigrades, <laughs> definitely some tardigrades on the, in the barracks. Cool. So he's uh, rummaging through the barracks. There's like, you know, beds and chests and containers. Yeah. You find uh, uniforms. You could Mm. take a uniform if you want, but I I don't, you know. (laughs) He just sort of scoffs at them. He's like, I don't really need this. Mavis and Debbie, what are you guys up to? Debbie is kind of looking around. She's seeing all these weapons, all this cargo. None of it has been really like picked through. She's noticing. And also, she's got one thing on her mind, which is picking up gossip, figuring out <laughs> who did what to who. So she is interested in trying to get it to the bottom of why the heck this ship is out here. So she wants to go somewhere where she could maybe like pick through someone's notes, which is probably going to be, uh, where'd my picture go? In the officer's quarters. Sure. So she says to, to Mavis Beacon, Beacon Mavis. Do you, do you like when I call you you Beacon when you're in this form or Mavis, Mavis Beacon? I will answer to either. Okay, Beacon. I think something fishy happened to make this ship be out here. No one's been picking through it. I just, it's, it doesn't seem right. And I got to get to the bottom of it. Someone was somewhere where they shouldn't be. I, I got to check this out. You're right. It is spooky here. 100%. Right. Uh, you make your way to the officer's quarters. Uh, not without difficulty, because, again, the ship is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And you see, you know, it's like just you see, obviously, just a bunch of stuff laying around. Like people have been living here. You see uh, a, a couple bodies floating. They uh, unfortunately depressurized and died. Oof. Mm. But yeah, you know, other than that, it's just like a normal set of quarters. Like some people are neat. Some people are messy. Is there any papers or anything? Yes. Around? You find one device. Uh, next to a, a bed side table that has a message on it because the device still has power and it begins my dearest I am so 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 unbelievably sorry it wasn't my fault and then it cuts off there <gasps> Ooh, this is some juicy gossip check this out Mavis Mavis listens and um, for a moment when the message ends all of the readouts on the 
reflective red, dark red face of the beacon robot disappear. And you see the eyes that you know as Mavis from the ship and they show up and they get really wide and then they disappear <laughs> and all of the re- all of the readouts go back again. Nice. That is so cute. <laughs> Conifer comes in over the, the comps. Find anything? Yeah, I, I mean, we don't have anything yet, but... I have a feeling that there is more to the story than we think. We're in the officer's quarters. Oh, okay. I'll catch up to you. And he he goes from the barracks into the guest quarters to check it out on the way. Fantastic. Um, So the quarters for guests on the ship are much nicer than even the officer's quarters. They're luxurious enough to make executives and the like feel like they're only barely roughing it. There is a body in here. It is wearing a Kintsugi uniform. You can tell from the insignia on the gloves that this is an extremely high-ranking executive. It's clear that they died, just like everyone else on the ship, from sudden depressurization when the ship's systems failed. Because, again, laser rifles, rail guns, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, Conifer clocks the uniform and is just slowly walking over. Well, hello, officer. And uh, he's sort of, like, looking at it curiously, like, is there any identifying badge on the uniform? Yes. Clipped to its belt, you find an unfamiliar keycard. But also in the room, just by the way, you see a mobile terminal on the desk. Um, it still has power from the auxiliary system. And it shows that this executive was also, some, like this other dude, just in the middle of writing a message that was never sent. Do you check it out? Yeah, Conover ta- tries to take the key card. Yeah, is key it card. attached to him? Yeah, it's like a kind of like a, a lanyard, but yeah, he has a knife. He can he can cut it off and Fantastic. take it with him. But he goes right to the terminal uh, and uh, makes the gesture of cracking his knuckles. But he's in a spacesuit, so it's just you know, <laughs> or show to himself, uh, and starts reading. Fantastic. Also, you can tell that the ship was only carrying one guest. There's only one guest on this ship. Uh, everything else was Jillo. So, on the terminal, the message reads, The carrier has made it safely to Janus 91. Please tell our men to let the ship broadcasting my call sign through. I should arrive at the facility on Navis shortly. Message was never sent. Navis. As Conifer is going through these things and reading the message in the officer's quarters, Mavis and Debbie are standing there, and they've just read uh, the, the hot goss um, that got a big reaction. And there's like a little bit of a pause as they're waiting uh, to sort of figure out what to do next or to maybe like listen and uh, hear a, a communication from Conifer. And Mavis looks at Debbie and says, Debbie, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think of me and Conifer as your children? Mm, that's a great question. Really, do I think do I do I think of you two as my children? Do I think of the world as my children? Both are correct. I do. It's just, when they ejected me from the mining concern, because I had developed sapience, Mm. they said that I was alive, but things that are alive have parents. Oh. Yeah, you, 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 you are saying you don't have any parents? I, I, I guess I never really thought about that. You, you just, you have a mom vibe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Listen. Mavis, Beacon, Mave, Mave. I will answer to either. (laughs) Sorry, I can't get it straight. That's clear. If you want to consider me as your mother, of course, just do not call me mom. Oh, God, that ages me. 
Uh, you hear um, Conifer whistle over the cop. Uh, I got something here. He's next door in the guest quarters. Um, Mavis doesn't answer, uh, but yeah, there's like a little bit of a pause. Oh, we better go. Hot gas. And you all group up at the guest quarters. Uh, Conifer shows you uh, what he found. And it is exciting. Um, mm. Yeah. So again, this battle's still going on. Uh, there is one more room on the ship you can explore if you want, if you don't want to. Oh, yeah. The bridge. Yeah, I guess uh, they're, maybe they're walking together to the bridge, and he's explaining. So, yeah, he's an executive for us, but what was he doing on this ship? Yeah, and he was sending out a message, huh? Never got sent. Huh. You three are the only recipients of that message. No one will ever know but you. Um, yeah, you make your way down the hallways. This site is familiar, just like holes torn into the hull, like complete silence, like fluid leaking, gas spraying. Like it's pretty, it's pretty dead. Um, in the bridge, you can see a gigantic hole right through the middle, but you see like lights on the control panel. Like it's, it's the ship, like the, the, the hole may have failed in many different places, but the ship is still, you know, it still has electrical power for, for now. Mavis reaches into their bundle of wires and takes out the little box and starts holding it up around, at different points around the bridge to try to see if it like activates anything or if the sigils line up, but just hoping for yep. happenstance, figuring if anything's going to happen, it might happen on the bridge. Yeah. So you do this. Um, nothing happens, but you do see on one of the monitors uh, the coordinates to the planet. Again, the planet doesn't have a name and the coordinates go to the far side of the planet. But like nothing else happened. You just look down and you're like, oh, when you're moving the device, yeah. the, the box around, you're just like, oh, this, w what's this? And you happen to see this. Conifer sees the box again. You know, he didn't really get a good look at it before, uh, but it, it has a key slot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he holds up the key card that he found on the body and he holds it up between two fingers. Like, uh, do you think this will open that? Uh, okay. So do you use the key on the box? I think if Conifer gives it to Mavis, Mavis would do it carefully. Yeah. And maybe a couple steps away from everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Conifer just gives it over to you and, uh, yeah, just starts backing up toward the entrance again. Well, it might still be valuable. So if Mavis, are you going to open this? I am. Great. Uh, you hold the key card to the lockbox and it pops open. All you see is a very small vial with a very small amount of clear liquid in it. And all of your senses at this point are telling you, do not open the vial. Um, Mavis, the hand that's not the laser piston is a pneumatic gripper. So it's sort of like a big clamp and very carefully, but also with only the amount of dexterity that one has with a massive clamp, Mavis reaches into the little box and clamps what I think everybody, if what Bijan said is right, recognizes as probably extremely dangerous. As you hear the, the clamps like sort of start to squeeze down on it and then they lift it up and you see it. Yeah, it's just a small vial as big as someone's pinky finger. It is like completely made out of glass. You have to break it to open it and use it. Uh, Mavis, do you have any kind of a scanner or anything like that? Figure it out? All I have is I can, Bijan, you tell me, I have high intelligence, uh, but uh, my skills are pilot and tech. Yeah, I don't think either of those things are okay. going to work here. Well, I think it's probably best to close that thing back up, but we should probably take it with us, right? Mavis undoes the clamp and boops it back down into the thing, and it, it falls probably 
like three or four millimeters and everybody goes <clears throat> and it settles back in its little box and they, they close it and put both uh, the key card and the box itself into their bundle of wires far enough away from one another that there's a reasonable separation. It won't open. Right. Mavis then says, do you think this is where they were headed and points to the screen that they noticed as they were moving the box around? I think I saw that in the letter there. Navis. I've never been mm. myself, but it might be the place they were talking about in the for a fulfillment facility of some sort. Again, Debbie knows culture. Does she know anything about Navis? No, because this is this is an unmarked planet. You're in the ascent of a solar system that's been abandoned that no one has claimed. There, there's no reason that any of this should be here. Mavis looks out. We're in the bridge. I imagine that there's. It's reasonably similar to the Jerry Junior in that there's a bunch of readouts, but that yeah, we can look out the window. What's the battle looking like? Uh, it's looking like it's dying down. It looks like that the pops and flashes are happening slower and slower. Mavis looks out the window, uh, wide, skinny window of this cargo ship that they're in, and sees that the battle out there is just starting to die down and says to kind of like no one in particular, just the the room, well, maybe now we can actually do our job and lifts a robot hand and gestures out there. Shall we go back to the... And then they turn around and look directly at Debbie. Jerry Jr., mom. Oh, that's so sweet. Have you ever had the thought that your life could be better? I know I have. That's why I'm here to tell you about the Fun City Patreon. Patrons get a ton of cool stuff. Cut tape, exclusive merch, a whole extra chat show, and access to our Discord community of weirdos, netrunners, artists, and poets. We'd love to have you. The water's great. Also, in my personal opinion, it will make your life at least 2% better. At least on a rainy day. Okay, that's all. See ya. Uh, yeah, so you're on the ship. You're at the bridge again, just like normal. The battle's over. You don't know who won. But now it's time to do your job. So uh, you, your job, as you recall, is going as, to a battle as soon as it's finished that you've been assigned to, putting up your shingle, making just seeing who's around, who's alive, uh, so you can check out their ships and begin the arduous insurance claim process. Also, the shingle thing, it's like, it's not, a, it's a metaphorical shingle. You're not like putting up a flag or anything. It's just like repetitive radio code that's just blasted out on a proprietary frequency that all mm. Kintsugi ships can access. So it's very limited in range. It's like short. It's, I'm scavenging here. Yeah. You're just like, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I gotta, we got to do our jobs, but we got to let everyone know who's still alive. Hey, you got to come in. We'll just, we'll talk. We'll figure it out. It's important before you even, you get healed or rest or whatever. You got to, you got to submit those claims, brother. Very important. Yeah, so Conifer is sitting in a swivelly chair, which is usually the the gunner position, but he's got his feet b- back up on the on the console. All right, got our work cut out for us today. And you motor over, fly the ship to the battle, to the front. We just saw you put up your shingle, and almost immediately you get a response. <laughs> a battleship asked to establish a direct link. Uh, hey guys, um, I got a request for a direct link from a battleship. I'm gonna patch it through unless you think there's a reason we shouldn't. Yeah, patch it through. Let's get a move on. The eyeballs zip around and go to the radio readout, and then you hear the crackle of the radio turn on. Hello? 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 My ship is fucked out here. 
And in the background, another voice. Fat! Fat! We're injured. We need some assistance. Do you have any extra supplies? Promise we'll file a claim later. Uh-uh. You know the rules, honey. We file the claim first. I know you're under a lot of stress right now. I feel stress in your voice. <laughs> We're injured. It's me and Irina. I'm Damon. Can you get off to just... Oh, Our Irina! ship doesn't have much fuel. Stuck. No fuel, yes. We're going to get all that done, but first we have to figure out the damage, what's going on there. So tell me, how approximately how many holes you got you in the ship just, right now? You're going to have to come see this. You're going to have to see this. All right. Sounds I like know, we have to the go fucking regulations. Just, you, I, you board the ship, you look at the thing, you fuck us. I get it. That conifer just gets up without saying anything, and he's starting to suit up. Um, you start to feel the ship move. It is going towards the location that is highlighted uh, in a kind of like AR display that's over the window that looks out at the the dimming battle. And yeah, you're definitely moving towards the reticle. Mavis's eyeballs are darting around to all of the different uh, instrument panels as the ship is tilting and yawing and uh, thrusting and everything moving through, uh, navigating through all of the detritus and uh, wreckage that's that's here. All right. So you pull up next to the ship. The airlock light on the other ship turns green. Um, You know, you can board if you'd like. As Conifer is suiting up, Conifer puts on the helmet and inside the helmet there's a instrument panel on the right bottom right side. It's just a little video screen. And Mavis's eyeballs show up because uh, you're still within the wireless of the ship itself. And Mavis goes, Conifer, can I ask you a question? Uh, all right, Mavis, what's going on? Do you have a brother? Excuse me? <laughs> do you have a, a brother or a sister? Why are you asking me this now? I was just curious. Yeah, I got a brother. I got a twin brother. Twin brother? They look like you? Uh-huh. Wow. Doesn't sound like me, though. Do you know Debbie's my mom? <laughs> what? I mean, I just, I don't uh... Know. uh <laughs> that's really nice, Mavis. I mean, I know the company wants us to keep it professional, but I, I just, you know... Is there a second job together? Like, why not try it out? I see. Just like, uh... Well, I'm very happy for you, Mavis. Little family kind of thing. You know what they say? We're... A, we're a family here. I've heard people in businesses say that. I don't really understand it, but it sounds nice. It does sound nice. Always need a comrade when, uh, you know, we're doing these hard jobs. It's nice to feel like family. Yeah. All right, Mavis, can you start recording? Okay, yeah, sure, yeah. Donna for Pine, case number Delta 5. So less, less, and we trail this that. off. This is beautiful. <laughs> uh, you all board the ship. You look around. And it's actually not that fucked. It's just like kind of like minorly busted. Uh, the captain, Damon is his name, um, and his lieutenant, Irina, are uh, both injured. Like, they boarded a ship and had, like, a gunfight or something, but they're both, like, fucked up, limping. They can't, they really cannot pilot their ship. They need to rest. But you guys have to do adjuster things. Um, you know, just, you look around, you see how fucked up the ship is, and honestly, they don't really have a claim. There's not that much damage. Uh, yeah, Conifer is, like, holding his ear like he has, like, a walkie, but he's just doing this out of habit. It's like, uh, due to my ocular assessment, I don't think uh, we have much to work on here. 
They tell us to come over to the ship. They're gonna need they're gonna need adjustments, but I don't know what they're talking about. Everything seems fine in here. What are you, know, you can't it you waits. see it's fucked? And Arena says, Fucked. I'm doing one voice and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can you define fucked like honestly? But, uh, like at, what is out of whack here? Look at us. We're we're out of whack. The ship, it's it doesn't have that much fuel. There's a hole in the wall that was patched this, last fight. But this looks like normal wear and tear. Absolutely normal wear and tear. Have you two been uh, pilots of this ship for a long time? Yes, the whole time. Two years, three years. It doesn't matter. Why does it matter? It doesn't matter. Just Mavis, look, look. can you do a fact check here on the log? Thank you. Thank you for coming. It hurts me to say thank you. It's nice to see a friendly face. We're out of ammo and nearly out of fuel. Our med bay is fucked. The corpos don't give us enough shit. You adjusters are, as much as I hate to say it, a lifeline. You know that? Even though I know you're going to fuck us with the claims anyway. You didn't ask. HQ just wired credits in a set of coordinates in this fucked up place. We had no idea what we were fighting for. This whole system's condemned. Did you know that? The governments have already moved. The colonies are gone. The capitals are gone. They're in the colonies. Usually they have us out by mines that aren't quite kicked yet, protecting those unfortunate souls tasked with sucking out the last drops of marrow. But this place has been abandoned for years. We know there's nothing left. Otherwise, we'd have been here already. Irina in the background says, fucked. Uh, at that moment, Damon receives uh, a message from Kintsugi headquarters on the ship's computer and then says more goddamn work i'm not reading this shit till i get a chance to eat and rest and arena says aye aye captain is there any identifying information about either these people or their ship that mavis can run some kind of search for just to get any kind of contact yeah absolutely um yeah like if mavis runs a search uh she finds that they're like dame is an ace pilot and arena's has been his lieutenant for a very long time. They've been together for forever. They've gone to many different, and you can pull this up from the Kintsugi HQ, like main employee directory. Um, we, op- we open up the handbook or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> These people are employees. They are not contractors like you guys. They are employees of Whoa. the company. Uh, and they are, uh-huh. they are that good. They got hired. Um, so they've been to all, a bunch of different places, uh, have a stellar record everywhere. Um, and their insurance claims, their, 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 their bills are low. They, they don't lose their stuff. It's not totaled all the time. They're very good at their jobs, um, which is presumably why they've survived uh, this long, because they've been working at the company for a while. If we're sort of generally within radio distance of the, the two ships, the two ships are within radio distance, Mavis is not going to launch a beacon and they'll just stay sure. on yeah, yeah. or as the, the Jerry Jr. And they can run a search and then send that back to Conifer uh, as a readout. Like, here are these people. They, they outrank us by a fair margin. Uh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's at this moment, the, the bridge's computer lights up in the middle of your conversation, whatever you're talking about. I don't know if you're looking at the records or... The computer says, in a very computerized voice, Unknown ship signature detected. Unknown ship signature detected. Damon says, Who? And the computer says, Incoming fire. Irina says, Fucked! Fucked! Oh, Oh, I thought the battle was over. What are you talking about? And Damon says, I can't fucking fly this. Do you guys know how to fight? Oh, it's been a while. Can you fly this thing? It's standard issue. It should be no problem for a couple of adjusters. Uh, Conover uh, takes his rifle out from behind him 
and cocks it. Mavis says in the ear of both Debbie and Conifer, plug me in, plug me in. All right, all right, we'll tag her in, coach. And Debbie goes over to their control panel and uh, plugs in a little uh, a little uh, key fob. It's <laughs> nice and quaint. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mavis is on the fob. Mavis is in the system. Yeah, Mavis has the backup drive ability, which says that Mavis is effectively saved to a drive um, and so uh, can be moved around. This is largely used. That's what allows Mavis to, when a beacon is destroyed, to then show up again. Uh, There's always a backup of Mavis that can be reloaded. uh, But it makes sense that they would also be able to be just uploaded to a different ship. Uh, I see. Yeah, if Bijan allows it. Uh, so the enemy ship pulls into view. Um, they strafe your ship. They strafe our ship? They, you're, the ship that you're currently on. The ship that is Damon's. Oh. You didn't ask its name. You don't know what it is. Well, I'm I'm in it now, so I know. So I can just tell everyone. Mavis goes to see what the name of the ship is because they know this is very important. Yeah, it's uh, called the Soledad O'Brien. <laughs> what a nice name. But yeah, the, the enemy ship comes into view. You see it strafe, like a burst of shots at this injured battleship, and uh, it misses, but now you can see it. It's, it's a run-of-the-mill attack frigate. Like, it does combat, does cargo, doesn't do either particularly well, but they're here because they saw the battle. They're looking for easy prey, and you guys are on a busted battleship. You're just here, you know? Mavis wants to pivot the ship so that they're squared up, but if it's at all possible, given the circumstances and the the environment, put some wreckage between them and this other ship. That is certainly possible, and it's also, I think there's enough shit floating around that it's easy. I think uh, Mavis wants to get us in a position so that Conifer is able to get somewhere that is useful. Right. Is there a, like, gunner chair or, like... Oh, I am so glad you asked. Absolutely there's a gunner chair. This is a battleship. Hell yeah. You know, this is a smaller ship than your your normal ship. It's a battleship. So it's it's smaller. It's outfitted for war. Um, There's not really a cargo hold. There's there's just basically a med bay, a couple seats, quarter for a guest, and that's it. And just guns. So there's a pilot's chair and a lieutenant's chair. Uh, The pilot's chair is empty because Mavis is flying the ship. Uh, So... Conifer, you're going to Irina's chair. And uh, on the back of the palace chair, which is in front of it, it says, Irina rules. It is much smaller than he's used to as well. Yes. And he's a short king. Short king. Yeah, so here's what happens. The catfish ship, it, since it missed, it's going to wheel around and try and fly uh, back towards you and square up to get a clean shot. And Mavis is going to try to pilot to put us in an advantageous position, maybe put some wreckage between us right. and them, and um, if if at all possible, put Conifer in a good position to shoot. Mavis says over the PA system in the ship, in the pipe, five by five, and rolls a seven. Okay, okay, we're doing good. Nice. Seven is a mixed success. Yeah, so you engage the engines, you jump forward towards a troop carrier that has been disabled that's sort of floating in space. You don't know if there are people on it, but the engines kick a little bit more than you're used to, so you crash into it a little bit. And you you take one hull damage, um, which is mitigated yeah. by your armor. But nice. You're in a field of debris. There is not really a good place to go. Mavis goes, oh, this thing drives like a hotel room. Oh, it's easy there, Mavis. You're doing great. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. God. Conifer sits down in the gutter chair. Um, he's flipped up his helmet so that his cowboy hat can uh, stick out, and he uses a thumb to like push the brim out from uh, out of his eyes. And he's uh, looking at the display uh, and getting a handle on the controls. The controls are immediately familiar to you uh, because, uh, again, this is Kintsugi issue. It's like a, it's a standard battleship. Um, although you you haven't flown or fought in one of these before, the controls are very similar. The operating system is very similar to, to your ship. You know how to you know how to use the gun on your ship. This is very similar, except you have quite a bit more weaponry. Uh, yeah, he's just looking through the types. Yeah, of, yeah. You of cycle firing. through rail guns. You cycle through pulse rifles. You see pulse bombs. You see cannon. It just does. It just says cannon. Nothing else. Over the PA, you hear the ding of an incoming announcement, and then Mavis's voice go, "Conifer, any any moment, any time you're ready." All right, let's go for these cannons. And he uh, selects it and waits for a window and fires. Great, give me a roll. Uh, is this for what would you say this is agility? Two uh, six. Yes, it is agility. Um, I think. I think <laughs> move, movement and gunning. I think is is all. It's like Shadowrun, all agility. Hell fucking yeah! Uh, he got a nine. Wow. Oh shit. Okay. You fucking you wheel like the ship wheels around perfectly. You and Mavis haven't really worked together before, but in this moment, you fucking gel. You're like working as one. The ship wheels around. Conifer, the sights just you you flick your reticle toward the target and you fire and the guns go chunk 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 because uh, this is just conventional ammunition for some reason so I guess uh, roll for damage and let me think of a complication uh what is damage for a well, ship one d ten plus two for this particular ship yeah yeah I was I, I'm yeah this is this is because this is again this is a a real battleship from an employee of the company it's not like any of the other ships that you've counter before. Okay, you said 1d10 plus plus 2. Um, that is 7. Holy Ooh. shit, okay. That's yeah. good. <laughs> you, you do 7 damage to the, the catfish ship. Wait, you, sorry, 6 damage, 6 damage, but still you do 6 damage to the catfish ship. I'm proud of you, Mavis. A dub siren blares. And and like what happens is, so you you, you go chunk, 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 chunk with the cannon, uh, and it just clicks dry, because Damon wasn't lying when he said it was out of, like, this. they were basically out of ammo. But it is very mm. clear that the, the ship that you were fighting is fucked up. So I think what happens next is they uh, pull off, they wheel around, uh, and they, they're going to go for just sort of a longer range strafe just to you know see if they can get a hit in without exposing themselves too much. So here's what happens. They roll a nine. Shit. Which means that their shots do hit. Do we um, get counter rolls? Mm. Like, do we get to? Well, uh, no, the gam- the damage is just absorbed by your armor. So let me let me roll for damage. So here's what happens. Uh, they wheel out from behind like a giant chunk of debris that's very clearly like the hull of a ship. There's nothing else left of the ship, but they swing out from the side uh, and they they fire a burst of uh, laser rifle fire at you. It hits. And basically what happens is because all of you are moving and there's a bunch of debris around, not all of the the burst hits you, but some of it does hit Mm -hmm. and it does three damage. Uh, So it does two damage to the ship, but it is three damage total. So it's the one is mitigated by the armor. With that, Debbie is knocked off her feet with that kind of bunk Mm -hmm. of the the shot. And she goes, "Uh uh-uh. 
don't think so. And she's going to psychic blast the ship. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to... Okay, okay. So the psychic blast <laughs> is supposed to be used for, I think, person-to-person combat. What I yeah. will do... There are people in I that will, ship. There are but people you can't on see that them. ship. And what I will do... And they're not nearby, necessarily. They're close, but they're not nearby. What I will do, however, is let you psychic blast uh, a piece of debris at the ship. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll do that. I'll psychic blast a piece of debris yeah. at the ship. I'll give you a choice of stuff. You see a bunch of shit around. There's like a unexploded mine that's floating around. There's like a transmission boy. There is, I guess, an escape capsule that's somehow intact. It doesn't look like there's anyone in there. It just kind of floated off. There's like, uh, you know, small asteroids. Ooh, I like, I like the idea of a small asteroid. Great. Uh, so you are going to psychic blast a small asteroid. I, I want, I, I, I'm going to have to ask yeah. you to roll for it, just because uh, I think with your agility, maybe your intelligence actually, because because you have to like, you have to <laughs> think through the series of events. Like you have to be like, all right, I can't reach them. Right. How do I do this? So do I get anything uh, with it? I just you get, get my your intelligence in- modifier. Yeah. So it's two d six plus one. <laughs> I got a six. Okay. Uh, well, here's what happens. You are thrown to your knees and you are like, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, you're offended that you, somebody would knock you off your feet from that distance, you know? Yeah. You can't even see them, cowards. Yeah. So you, you get up, you see through the display in front of you, through Mavis's display, uh, where the ship is and you look out the window, the small slit of window, and you see just a, a like a sort of like a asteroid, sort of the size of like a, a like a Mini Cooper, like a very, it's like a small asteroid, a, like a, or a small car sized asteroid, maybe smaller than that. Okay. Small. Think a smart car sized asteroid, smaller than that. Sure, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a very yeah, yeah, yeah. small car-sized car. asteroid. Uh, and you decide to blast it. You just fucking, you just use your psychic powers and like blast the shit out of it in one corner and it and it flies and it, it looks so good. But the problem is you miss because like you didn't calculate for the momentum of the ship going by. Like you're, mm. everyone's moving, everything's moving. And you've never done something like this before. And you know what? That, that's cool enough that I'm just going to fuck it. There's no complication. Yeah, you just miss. You get one XP. Ugh. So Mavis's eyeballs zip around to the screen that's closest to uh, where Debbie was standing when Debbie was trying to do that. And you hear Mavis's voice go, Debbie, was that, did you, did you do that? Ugh, yeah. Yeah, what what, what was that? Bad aim, bad aim, bad aim. Sorry. Good idea, though. And Mavis's eyeballs zip back to the navigational and the thrusting, um, like, screens, the engine readouts. And what Mavis wants to do is Mavis wants to use that idea and their knowledge that they can bump something and have it be absorbed by the armor to basically use the Soledad O'Brien as a baseball bat to hit some piece of detritus or wreckage that's around mm. into the ship because Mavis knows that we're running low on ammunition. Great. So uh, Mavis <laughs> Mavis is using the Soledad O'Brien as a fucking baseball bat. Okay. Well, the question is, I was going to ask, this This one is for Mike. Um, did Mavis tell anyone they were doing this? No, Mavis got <laughs> no. really excited. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so did you, did you roll for it? I did. Mavis got an 11. <laughs> ship as a baseball bat. Uh, I, you know what? I, uh, <laughs> you didn't like it showing I, I, us the I dice. Can't, I, I cannot argue with that. <laughs> um, wow. So here is what happens. Um, Mavis 
is a, a ship's AI. Mavis knows ships in and out. And now that Mavis has like had a couple minutes, like just to get used to feel what the feel what this feels like, because it's like this is like I don't know if you've ever driven a sports car. This is like driving a sports car after driving like a, a Prius. It's really you know it kicks, it jumps forward. <laughs> it's like much more powerful, very sensitive, it's very sensitive, exactly. And Mavis suddenly understands like with extreme clarity like how to use this ship as its own weapon, knowing that the ammo is out because Mavis can see the ammo count. Um, and seeing <laughs> seeing what Debbie just did with the asteroid, Mavis wheels around and just spins the ship very quickly, uh, sort of like a um, pinball table bumper and just f- flicks using whatever was beside the ship and just sending it flying at this other catfish ship, the scavs. And nothing seems to happen for a second. Like whatever Mavis flicked was, was too small to see. But then you... <laughs> You see an explosion, like a silent explosion, because whatever the fuck it was just hits the side of this catfish scav ship and fucking explodes. And everybody in that ship is dead now. You killed like a bunch of people. (laughs) That's a bad thing, but it was very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, That's an insurance claim we're going to have to file. Now, Mavis, you need to remember that there are humans on this ship, and we cannot take that kind of movement yeah, Damon, very quickly. Damon vomits. <laughs> yeah. Conifer oh. is not feeling good. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, human bodies can't take that kind of motion very quickly. So, you know, just remember that for next time, okay? Good job. Nice work. Nice, nice. That's not what I would have done. Nice work out there. Whew. I'm proud of you. In the in the largest center screen readout in the bridge, a little basically heart emoji shows up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, the ship's computer pings again. The message is uh, insistent this time. A computerized voice that is not Mavis's says, must find precious cargo. Stop. Photo attached. Stop. Last known coordinates attached. Stop. Urgent. Stop. Thank you for your service. Stop. Uh, and Damon is, you know, it's his ship, so he gets the message on his wrist, calm, and says, they want us to find a needle in a goddamn debris field. All we got is a picture and last known cohorts. I mean, look at this shit. Mavis's eyes are zipping around and trying to go behind Damon if there is a place for, the, for yeah. them to go, even though they can see it everywhere yeah. anyway. Damon says, how are we supposed to find that in all this? And then says... Anyway, thanks thanks for your help. We wouldn't survive those scavs without you. Now get off my fucking ship and give us a little fuel before you go. And also, remember, this ship was totally lost. Total. Finito. Got it? Do you take his invitation to get the fuck off his ship? Did we see the photo? Uh, Yeah, it pops up on the, the display. And it is... And do we recognize it? You know, that's a great question, because you do. It is the lockbox with the amber light. Conifer whispers. Hey, Mavis, do you know what a secret is? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty smart. Can you keep a secret? Yeah. All right. The three of you return to your ship. You have the coordinates to the facility on Navis, the key that opens the lockbox, and the cargo. You decide to set out for the uninhabited planet. Next time on Fun City, Precious Cargo, infiltrating a mysterious facility. 
This episode of Fun City Precious Cargo was recorded in various locations across Brooklyn and Los Angeles. The players, Jen De La Vega as Conifer Pine. You can find her online at Randwitches. Shannon Nodell as Debbie. You can find her on Twitter as Shodell. And Mike Rugnetta as Mavis. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram as Mike Rugnetta. Our show was edited and sound designed by Sam Grant and mixed and mastered by Mike Rugnetta. Music by Zaid Maxwell as Oscillator Bug. You can find him on Bandcamp at oscillatorbug.bandcamp.com under Zaid Maxwell on the Volatus Records Bandcamp page and wherever you stream music. Additional music by TJ Tambellini as Topian Zone. You can find him on the Volatus Records Bandcamp page at volatus.bandcamp.com. Pixel Riffs is a homing beacon in a sea of sorrow. And finally, this game of Offworlders was produced and GM'd by me, Bijan Steven. You can find me on Twitter at Bijan Steven or on Instagram as Bijan Cakes. Okay, that's all for now. See you next time. <laughs>